Welcome back to another episode of Green Squad Chats. Uh, we've got Adam, Tom, Travis, and Marty here today, and we got kind of a fun topic today. We actually were just, you know, Saturday morning, we do our call every Saturday morning. We never miss it. We just got off of that, and we're kind of continuing the conversation, talking about um, pricing and value and why some things cost what they cost. And so if y'all don't mind, I'm just going to kick it off with the story I was talking about uh, with my baseball cards. I went home a few weeks ago back to where I was raised in Maryland, and I went home to a surprise. My grandfather, my pap, he had all of my baseball cards that I collected when I was a kid. They were all in one pile, all the binders, all the little plastic the hard little plastic cases where you put your favorite cards or the ones you think are worth a whole bunch of money. They were all just sitting there for me. And I was like, oh man, I was like a little kid again. You know, I forgot I had those. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, this is great. So what I do, I took them all, threw them in the car, brought them home. Fast forward to a couple days ago. Um, I'm looking at all these baseball cards. There's got to be over a thousand. And they're in binders and boxes and everything. And they're just sitting now in my living room. <laughs> and so uh, you can imagine my wife, my kids, they're not thrilled now that we have thousands of baseball cards sitting in the living room. But I'm like, there's something in me, right? I didn't, I didn't even remember them for years. I mean, I'm 42. I moved out when I was 18 and went to college, right? So it's been that long. I'm not going to do the, the public math here. Uh, it's 24 years. It's 24 years. and forgot about them. But now they're sitting in my living room and all of a sudden I can't get rid of them. Julie's like, my wife's like, what are you going to do with those? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm going to organize them. I'm going to, I'm going to sell them. There's a market for this. She's like, you're not going to do that. They're worthless. I'm like, they're not worthless. She's like, they're worthless if you're not going to do anything with them, if you're not going to sell them and you're not. Uh, And so I think that got us to uh, talking about pricing and and how you value things. Uh, and there is, and I think Tom, you were saying there is still a market. There is for a market. Cars. Yeah. There's a tremendous resale market for these. There's a, there's a, 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 a local business here in San Diego. I take my kids for batting lessons, you know, baseball batting lessons, hitting lessons. And the proprietor there, the owner has a whole business around buying and selling baseball cards and it's phenomenal. It's it's quite staggering what some people will pay for some of these rare cards or for Hall of Famers and across all sports. It's wild. Tons of money. I think it's uh, value is such a fascinating concept. I mean, it's a piece of cardboard that's got some fancy printed graphic on it of a human being who plays a sport. And I think, Tom, you were saying there's some of these sell in the tens of thousands of dollars, which... Yeah, they, the the owner was telling me a story where he somebody called him. They had a rare card. I couldn't tell you who it was, what the sport was. Doesn't matter. The transaction was a thirty or forty thousand dollar transaction that that he he bought this card, this small piece of cardboard, like you said, Adam. That's got you know what's what's the cost of manufacture for that card? A couple of pennies, right? Because it's probably mass produced, and 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 this guy bought it for thirty forty thousand dollars. And then he's going to turn around and sell it. So his estimate of the value or someone else's opinion of the value is that it's quite a bit higher because there's obviously a profit margin that's baked into that. I think that's 
That's so foundational for business and what we do in real estate. I mean, business 101 is buy low and, and sell at a higher price, create a margin. I know we see this all the time in our real estate, our active real estate business where we flip and we wholesale. And sometimes we'll get, somebody will call us with a mobile home on stilts in the water, near the water that's completely run down. And the owner will say, the owner's perceived value of that property will be a million dollars. Or it'll just be, hey, I just want to get rid of it. I'll take 5,000 bucks. Us as an investment company, we have to look at it through the lens of perceived value from all kinds of different types of investors. What type of investor wants this mobile home on the water, on stilts, run down, and what price could we sell it at? And we lock something up like that for 10000 and maybe we want to wholesale it. It's like, can can we get 25000 for it? In my mind, it's I've no, there's no way anybody's buying this, but let's just put it out to the world to see what its value is. And then lo and behold, we'll have somebody come in and buy that thing for 25,000 and we'll make the difference between 10 and 25,000. And it happens on the other end of the spectrum too. And I don't know why that guy bought it. You, you never know why they value it. Maybe they have family. Maybe that's where they live and they have extra family coming over. We just had a beautiful home in Sarasota. The, person who completely furnished, completely ready to go, um, could be midterm rental, could be short-term rental. Just, it's an amazing home. Why they're calling an investment company to sell it fast, you just never know. They bought it for $495 and we put it under contract for $430 and it's probably worth close to $550. And there's margin there. We, we think it's worth $550 because that's what other things are selling for. But we don't know if there's a cash buyer who would come in if we get it at 430 and pay us 450. So we put it out to the world and somebody wants to buy that. They can have extra family members stay there when they come in town. They want to reduce their, um, they want to add more real estate to their portfolio. The person selling it bought it at 495. They're okay taking a loss because they got a lot of income coming in. They want to put that money elsewhere. You just don't know why going back to the baseball card, the piece of cardboard, like why is that valuable? You just don't know. And the way we value things, it's not just money, right? It's time, it's it's services, it's goods. It, all of these things have different valuations to different people and successful business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, folks that are successful in real estate understand that, that there are always exchanges of value that occur and finding a way to structure deals, to sell goods, to offer services that drive value for everybody involved. Those are the folks that are successful. And so, you know, Adam's stories of Adam's example, super present and super relevant. A lot of real estate investors might look at that deal and say, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Well, it makes sense to the seller and it makes sense to the buyer. So therefore they're both getting value and it's a good deal, right? So understanding how different parties in a transaction are going to perceive value and uh, come out ahead, uh, the folks that can then get ahead of that circ that cycle, right? Maybe to, to jump back into that earlier conversation about the OODA loop, right? From John Boyd, people that can, can get through that circle faster, observe, orient, decide, and act, understanding everybody's uh, perspective, you're going to see great success. I could camp on John Boyd 
for the rest of this podcast, but I'll, I'll spare you that. We know that you the, can't have him, so I'll have to jump in and kick it over to Marty. <laughs> is that the lead singer of uh, Leonard Skinner? Is that his? Yes. Yeah, okay. Thought so. Yeah. Isn't okay. that funny? Says, says the one Air Force guy on the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got no idea. Oh, it's, man. Yeah, it's, the, it's only the number one service member who's had the biggest impact on the military in the entire Air Force. Most Air Force guys don't even know who he is. Yeah. I'm in the Air Force. We're not in the military. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Marty, I feel like you were talking about a similar situation where there's a value. There's kind of what one person, the storage unit, right? Where one person has an idea of what it's worth. Another person has, the seller has a different idea. Weren't you talking about that today? Yeah. So there's a 60 something storage facility uh, here in town that, uh, that somebody's trying to sell. And uh, I went and, and looked at it. and um, so we started walking around. I was like, man, there's a lot of units that don't have a lock on there. It's like, are they just not locking their stuff up? And he goes, no, the ones without a lock on it are the vacant ones. And I was just counting along. I was like, that's a lot of vacancy. And he goes, yeah, we're about 35% occupied. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I saw that I was, I said, how'd you come up with this evaluation? He, he was asking 425,000. And uh, he just said, no, that's just what I think it's worth. And I was like, so how, how'd you come up with that? That's just what I think. He had no no other reason except that's what he thinks. I said, did you come up with a replacement cost value? No. Are you doing it off income? No. Just what I think it's worth. So it's my job as the uh, as the buyer to, to try and figure out what it, what I think it's worth and then see if we can come in come into an agreement in the middle there. So it's just yeah, like Adam was saying, it's just funny what you know what people think is a value, like a baseball card, a storage facility. It's all relative. We, we, we do this with uh, sellers all the time. We, we obviously ha- will buy people's house fast and we'll pay all the closing costs, pay cash, all that stuff in Florida, right? Seller will call in and their house will be in disrepair and they'll want what basically what Zillow says or what some agent might have told them, but they'll also want us to buy it in three days and they also won't let us come look at it, right? So then... We create gap to, to really identify what is valuable to them. We, we do what's called creating gap. As an example, we would ask them. We'd ask them all these questions, find out why they want to sell it. Well, they need to move fast. They need to move next week and they need to go up to North Carolina because their grandma's sick and they got to help her grandma and they got all this stuff going on. It could be a myriad of situations. So then they say, okay, so, you know, what's, what's the best price you can do on this? And they give us some astronomical number. We're like, okay, I understand. Ask them how they came up with that number. Hey, some, some agent told me. Then we'll ask them, well, you know, what's, what's more important to you? Moving fast and being in North Carolina with grandma in three days or getting the highest price? So I have to, because the value that they're asking for is unrealistic a lot of times. So we have to create gap to understand truly, are you willing to trade equity for ease and speed of transaction? Does that make sense for you? Or is really money the most important thing? And if that is, that's, that's also fair, but you know, you can't necessarily have your cake and eat it too. And understanding we're investors and our goal is to make money while also serving and meeting the client's needs. So then, Adam, what do you do if they say, well, time's more important? And so then you, you, you find a way to structure to meet that demand, but then they, they're, they're still unrealistic on their price or they won't budge on anything else. 
Well, usually if they say time's more important, we just we're just helping them through their thought process. So I would say we would say something like, "Okay, Marty, I understand. So what's most important to you is is getting this thing sold, getting X amount of dollars in your pocket and being able to move up to North Carolina with grandma and take care of her so that you can X, Y and Z. If I can do all those things for you, would that be helpful? And they'd say, yeah, that would be helpful. Okay. I mean, it looks like other investors are paying around this price. I'm not saying that's what we would pay. And if I can be helpful and do X, Y, and Z for you, I'm just telling them what they, I'm telling them back what they told me. This is what you want. What's the best price you can do? And then I've already told them where generally investors are going to be. So they know where I need to be. And then they're like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess if you could, if you could close and you will pay all closing costs, X, Y, and Z, tell them all the benefits then we find out if they're really, really ready to go or not. And if they're not ready to go, that's fine too, right? They, if, if they find out in this conversation that, you know what, I actually need that money and that is more important than getting up to Grandma in North Carolina, then we try to help them in a way that can get them the most money, whether that's a traditional list and sale with an agent or maybe some type of creative finance terms or maybe some type of novation deal. At the end of the day, we have to find out what's most important to them and give them the the tool to achieve that in the, the way that makes sense for us too. That's the hardest part for me, especially as you go into these small commercial properties with uh, that are typically owned by older individuals is that they get very set in their ways. And then you try to find ways to uh, meet their biggest need and then they still... Um, still don't want to do what you're asking or what you're offering and and are just very unreasonable. That's probably the the biggest struggle that I have with that kind of stuff. Well, Martin, uh, what I would just say is I don't tell them. All I do is bring them to their own conclusion through asking great questions. I don't ever tell them anything. I'm not telling them you should sell it to me at a discount because it's logically it makes sense because you need to sell it in three days and nobody else is going to buy it in three days at the price you're asking. I never say that. Uh, all I do is ask them questions until they come to the conclusion. And if they don't come to that conclusion, then clearly the thing, the problem you think you're solving is not the problem that they need solved. The problem that they need solved is money. So you're using the wrong tool, right? If everything, if everything looks like a nail, you're using a hammer every time. We call it the cash hammer, right? The cash hammer may not be the best tool for that particular seller or that particular particular investment opportunity because you can find value in multiple ways in real estate as we all know. Yeah. It's not just money. You know, what I'm pulling out of this is value doesn't equal dollars all the time. That's only part of the equation. And I think a lot of folks get stuck on dollars, dollars and cents equals value. And that's not true. You just, uh, in this group, multiple people have just illustrated the point. There's other problems that people want solved uh, besides money that are extremely valuable. I mean, as an investor myself, considering getting rid of some of my rental properties, uh, I think, I don't know if it was about a month ago, I was like, Adam, maybe I'll just give you those properties to wholesale and get rid of. And you're like, you're like, hey, put those on the market. If you're going to sell those, put them on the market, man, you, you know, but, but the thing in my mind that is, was kind of initially driving that was, I'm willing to take a cut off of what I think maybe the market value is price-wise, dollar-wise. I'm willing to take less dollars for, I'm sick of these headaches, just take them. And that's worth an amount of money off of the dollar price 
there's value there that I'm willing to sacrifice on dollars because of that. So in uh, like the baseball cards, like, you know, what do I really want? Well, I want happy, calm family, probably clean up, get rid of the cards, maybe get a little bit, a little bit of dollars from it. Cause I do know that there's some value there, but at the same time, am I going to go through a thousands of cards, every one and value every one in a dollars and cents, and then ask for that exact amount of money? No, I couldn't even, I, I hired my son to look through and just pull out all the hall of fame cards. He made it a couple of days and was like, you, you can't pay me enough to do this, dad. <laughs> so right. There's an example of, it's not all about the dollars. Like you can't pay me enough to do this, dad. It's tedious and that's not enough money. And so then I'm thinking, well, do I offer more? Or, you know, maybe I pivot here and we think about a different, different method. Maybe there's a wholesale solution for this, tying it all together. Maybe there's a wholesale solution. <laughs> I'll get you in touch with the guy I know out here. Maybe he'll buy them all for, from you. I struggle with that same sort of thing. Like I'll go down the Walmart clearance aisle and I'll be like, I could buy this for $8 and sell it for 13 And it's just, you know, I, I want to buy it so I can list it on Facebook and sell it. And my wife's just like, you're never going to do that. It's just going to sit there and then you're going to throw it away eventually. But, you know, it's hard for my for me to shut my brain off on that. I mean, perceived value works in purchases too, right? Like, I mean, think about the amount of Amazon things that show up at your door or, you know, when my wife goes to Target and went for one thing and comes back with 62 things out of the Target dollar spot because they were on sale. It's like a total marketing thing. They mark stuff up and then bring it 50% down and you see it and you go, well, it's on sale. Do I need it? No, but I, I'm going to buy it because it's on sale. Like how many times do we see that? Travis, I was curious to know if you see this in the vending machine business. I know speaking of kids, right? Our kids and my son and, you know, trying to hire my son to do the baseball card thing. But I know your son has some vending machines. Like, do you see this ever? Like where you're pricing stuff in the vending machine? You're like, what? Like, it's amazing that people will pay this much for, you know, a certain item. Or I, I'm just curious if you ever see that. Everything that we have is usually two and a half to three times what we pay for it. And that's um, like, for example, um, on base, a Snickers is two bucks and we sell it for $1.25 and it's still two and a half times what we pay for it. Uh, we buy a Snickers for 40 cents. So we sell it for $1.25. Um, prime, I can get Prime, which is every kid's like, you're not cool unless you have a Prime in your hand. And, um, you know, I get it for like $1.80 a, a drink and sell it for three seventy five. It's, it's, uh, there's when we, you talked about value earlier, Brandon, having a vending machine there and having a vending machine at the locations that my son has them in. It's convenience, it's ease, it's satisfying a need, right? That's all value. And either from the parent standpoint of getting the kid off their back of like, mom, I'm hungry or I want this, you know, value and having that machine there of, of satisfying that need. The, um, the opportunity cost of like, hey, I can know I can get it cheaper, but I can get it now. That's value. So there's there's lots of uh, lots of that in the vending world. Another just great example of value, and not we value a, a thing, a widget, a cup, right? This cup has a value in your mind. The price of this cup. Look at the pricing of water based on where you're at, your circumstance. Go to a baseball game, you go to a little stand, you're talking 50 cents for a bottle of water. That same bottle of water in an airport, $6. The only thing that changed is where you're at in the, the environment that you're in. 
that that the the value of that thing didn't change at all. It's it's the circumstance and the environment that you're in. You're in an airport. You had to dump your water out. You're thirsty. You don't really have any other options, so you buy the thing. You know, you go to a you go to a gas station right off of a right off of the highway. Things are a little more marked up. Gas is more marked up. Going inside and buying that water is probably three bucks. So th- there's so many things that come with value. It's not. It's it's rarely just the thing. It's rarely just the thing. We've got a property that we've had listed uh, for a while. My uh, my real estate partner and I, over a year now, and the uh, the the agent we're working with has tried to get us to drop the price, and we've been very very hesitant to do so. We've been uh, opposed to it, uh, and the reason is. For us, the value of the property is going to come with a certain sale price when we realize the equity that we've built. We do not desperately need the equity today. If we did, maybe we'd consider a price cut. Uh, we don't need it. The property's cash flowing. It's successful, uh, and it works as is. When the when the market conditions support us getting the desired exit, that that price, the purchase price that we want, will sell. Right, the right buyer will come along. Uh, and we're willing to wait. Uh, so for us, that that's those are the the things, the circumstances that Adam was talking to that are coming together to drive a certain valuation. And so understanding what all parties in a transaction want, right? Kind of full circle here. That's really what the, what drives value of anything, of any good or service or property. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, uh, Brandon, on what you think. You know, we got a lot of amazing listeners. All of our moms are listening to this. For sure. Um, Shout out, mom. What, what is <laughs> what, what? What's what's the big takeaway on value for our listeners? Oh man, this is great. So, well, we've hit on it in the last you know twenty thirty minutes or so. We've hit on it here and there, but value is an individual thing. I think, right? It's very personal, and our emotions get involved. Our beliefs get involved, you know, the vision we have in our minds of what this thing is worth, what it should or shouldn't be. And the reality is not everybody shares that unique vision that you that you have, that belief that you have about the value of this thing or that. And so if you're actually in the marketplace and you're trying to transact and you're trying to sell something or you're trying to buy something. I think you have to recognize that you may have a different idea in your mind of what something's worth versus what somebody else has. And first step is recognizing that. Then the second step is understanding, right? What is the most valuable thing to you? What truly, as the seller, what truly do you want to get out of the transaction in order to lower your price or or meet the buyer's expectations? And as the buyer you know, what is it worth to you? Like, what are the intrinsic things about the transaction that you really are willing to pay for beyond whatever the sticker price is? So understanding that your perspective is different than everybody else's and then understanding what's truly important to you. What do you truly value um, beyond the dollars and cents? And maybe in a certain transaction, maybe it is strictly dollars and cents. I'm not saying that that can't be, but I am saying that it's very individual and unique to you. So it's worth reflecting on that before you enter into a transaction to figure that out for yourself. Uh, I think one thing that the value that we try to bring is that 
when people listen to this podcast, right, you have six guys that are talking about their viewpoints, their understandings, like Brandon is saying. And so the joy of that, I think, and what makes this podcast kind of unique is that where we are, like all five of us are in different stages in our lives. We're in different stages of our real estate investing journey. We see our experiences, our location, our demographic, and that allows, you know, opinions and, and thoughts to be generated. And so when people are in different stages of their life, you know, who's the youngest guy here? Adam, I think you're the youngest guy here. I'm the oldest guy here, you know, and so we're able to see what stages in life, kids, ages, you know, activities, like those are all the things that we provide our listeners. And for those that enjoy that, you know, like keep coming back, of course, but it'll let you get five viewpoints of one thing. And we talk about detachment and analyzing things like, man, that's, that's 10 sets of eyes that get to look at one project, one problem, one project, one, um, you know, subject, and that it can help somebody make a decision for them. That's important. That's value. That's awesome, Travis. Yeah, I think I, I think all these are great points. This is uh, again, this is the best hour of everybody's week with the Green Squad chats. That's going to do it for today. We're grateful for all the listeners. If you could do us a favor and give us a five star review, if you like our podcast and it's brought you any value at all, and go check if you like how we're produced and and what you're hearing, and you need somebody to help you with the podcast, go check out Dare to Podcast. That's our producer, and we're grateful for our great week, everyone. Music